Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Buildings Media Podcast. I'm Sarah Kleppel, Associate Editor, and I'm joined here today by Kathleen Hetrick, who is a Senior Sustainability Engineer with Borough Happold. Hey, Kathleen. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. um, So today we are talking wildfires and building materials. So 2018 was the deadliest and most destructive wildfire season uh, ever recorded in California. That's according to the California Department of Forestry and uh, Fire Protection. Uh, but of course, the state has you know, also seen its fair share of wildfires this year as well, including the Kincaid fire that burned, uh, I think it was more than 70,000 acres in Sonoma County. Uh, that was in early November. So wildfires are obviously extremely dangerous for uh, obvious reasons. But what some people might not know is that the buildings that end up being destroyed and burned are also dangerous. You know, they can emit very hazardous toxins from different kinds of materials when they burn, including, you know, insulation, carpeting, piping, stuff like that. Uh, And they can bring up some serious health concerns for occupants, first responders, and even, you know, just people in the surrounding community. So, Kathleen, this is something you've studied quite a bit. So, yeah, first, let's just uh, have you tell us a bit about your work at Borough Happels and what you do. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I started out as a mechanical and plumbing engineer in our uh, offices in Los Angeles, designing high-performance build- buildings, and I've always had a passion for sustainability, which is what brought me to the engineering field. So my path was pretty straightforward um, regarding technical sustainability consulting. And since 2013, I've been super lucky to work with our amazing team of engineers and designers working on everything from living building challenge projects in Santa Monica to sustainable communities in Los Angeles to the LA Eco Village, carbon neutrality plans for universities, and of course, your lead in well certification projects. So. And I'm also the co-facilitator of our office's Diversity and Inclusion Forum, which has uh, really helped me understand the equity issues that our industry faces every day and how um, the, you know, the decisions that we make affect much more than just our building end users. That's great. Um, perfect. Uh, so, you know, uh, why exactly is it, you know, dangerous for, um, you know, first responders, people in the community to breathe in certain building materials when they burn in these wildfires? Like, what what effect can they have? Yeah, uh, definitely. So it's really important to point out that it's not just wildfires, but all building fires that pose these enormous health risks of first responders and community members. Uh, Actually, my brother, Matthew, he's a U.S. Army veteran, and he's now a firefighter in San Antonio. He introduced me to this uh, issue a few years ago when he first started out as a firefighter, and one of his colleagues suffered from acute cyanide poisoning. I couldn't believe that a fire in a gym. Yeah, right? I couldn't believe a fire in a gym could possibly release hydrogen cyanide gas to poison a firefighter for the rest of his life. And I had mm-hmm. no idea that this was like such a commonplace issue. It was something that was definitely not on my radar, even though I specialize in healthy buildings. And basically, in a nutshell, right, um, the complex building chemistry that creates the you know energy-efficient insulation or high-performance coatings or drywall or furnishings or finishes, these all can have unintended consequences when these materials burn especially if the material is halogenated, which means they have a chlorine or fluorine in their chemical makeup or nitrogen in the case of um, okay. you know, hydrogen cyanide poisoning. Yeah, so I, I've heard of materials that are yeah, like non-halogenated. I've seen that before. So that's obviously right. a reason, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for firefighters, um, it's 
it's an issue because they're exposed to these, um, you know, kind of on a chronic level. And even the gear that they have can have some of these problematic materials in them. So it's, it's oh, wow. you know, everything from their protective um, clothing, having PFAs, which are perfluorinated chemicals, to our building materials. And I think you've probably seen, you know, John Stewart in the news, you know, rallying to get mm-hmm. better protection for first responders for, you know, the aftermath of 9-11. But it's a very similar issue for firefighters, right? They have really high elevated risks of cancer compared to, um, you know, the, the general populace. And, um, but, you know, and as for communities, it's not just the carbon monoxide in particulate matter that we need to be concerned about. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's huge issues with air quality and water quality, not just in the immediate event of the fire. It's been really interesting to see um, news reports showing that after these wildfires, you know, the, the pipes that deliver us our clean water, these plastic pipes burn and they contaminate um, cities' water supplies for a really long time, even chemicals um, like benzene, which is a proven carcinogen. Uh, so it's a really huge issue. Yeah, wow. Um, so if uh, if someone from our audience, you know, like a facilities manager, building owner, or even like an architect or designer, if they were kind of starting a new project, uh, a building project, how would they know whether or not a certain material um, is toxic? Okay. Right, great question. Um, and luckily, the industry has come a really long way in terms of looking at transparency and providing research tools. There's been such great advocacy that uh, you know I'm so proud of what the industry has done to kind of move this forward. But uh, for any stakeholder, I would recommend um, that they they probably immediately start looking at safety data sheets or material safety data sheets. It's the um, you know the kind of compliance forms that every material should have that says what are the chemical ingredients and what are the chemical concerns that you should be aware of. Um, and I think also just you know an understanding that this might not have been of our an engineering or architects or a construction manager's education, but getting to understand the most problematic types of building materials um, that we generally see to have uh, harmful chemicals. So. I think insulation is a big one. Adhesives, the cleaning products that we use every day can be, um, you know, very hazardous to our health. Fireproofing materials that might have these halogenated flame retardants, um, and some of the plastics, right? Not all plastics are equal. So plastics that are um, like PVC that have chlorine or uh, polystyrene, these are um, ones that you want to look out for. And luckily, there's all these great tools now online, uh, like Mindful Materials and um, Sustainable Mind. They have huge databases that have got all this information in one place. So you can actually search by division or by product type or even by manufacturer. So we've come a long way. Oh, cool. Yeah, maybe we'll link uh, to one of those and that'll help um, anybody yeah. who's uh, worried about that. Um, so what are some things that those professionals we were talking about, what can they do um, maybe prevent their building from potentially releasing these toxins? You know, obviously, if they don't have they don't have a new building you know it's an existing building or you know what can they do you know if these if something if a fire does happen maybe help mitigate any of those potentially dangerous consequences like you were just talking about the plastic pipes that contaminate the water what are maybe just some ways they can help mitigate any any of these consequences well, I think, you know, one thing that's easy for uh, existing buildings to take a look at is air quality monitoring, right? So um, that can kind of give us a quick snapshot of what we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. So whether that's just having an, an annual, um, you know, uh, 
healthy building tester come in and take a look at that, or even getting continuous air quality monitoring, which I think is something that's been really interesting the past two years. In our office in Los Angeles, we use um, a company called AWARE. They have continuous air quality monitors that uh, we use to understand what what is the VOC count in our office, you know, what is the carbon dioxide levels, but this can be in kind of like a first canary in a coal mine for thinking about, um, you know, the, the air, the indoor air pollution, right? And that's, um, that's, it's definitely a sign of maybe hazardous materials in our buildings. And then, of course, I think doing the research to really figure out, um, you know, what is in our buildings are very complex, uh, but doing the research to understand these materials and making sure that as designers, we're not specifying them. And then as operations staff, um, knowing what's in these buildings and kind of identifying what are some of the steps that they can take to maybe mitigate um, the damage that might be caused in the event of a catastrophic fire. Gotcha, great. Um, yeah, this kind of you know makes me think of you know uh, building material life cycle assessments and just how important they are. Um, yeah, would you, would you agree with that or? Oh my gosh, yes, 100%. And it's been, it's been so great to be part of, you know, the energy discussion where we're not only thinking about energy efficiency in buildings, but embodied carbon. And it's been so great to see that. But we have to have the same approach to human health, right? It's great that uh, health, healthy buildings have focused so much on building end users. But in terms of materials, right, there is a life cycle that we need to consider, especially, you know, in our frontline communities, um, you know, communities of color, disadvantaged communities, they have a much higher, um, you know, percentage of being um, located next to one of these hazardous uh, material plants. So that's the first thing we need to think about is who's getting affected um, from just the manufacturer of this, um, these materials. And secondly, you know, the manufacturing workers that work on the line creating our insulation products and our, um, our, our performance coatings, you know, what solvents are they being exposed to? And, and then, of course, we get into the building occupancy phase and then the end of life. So I think we can't just look at materials from a, uh, you know, acute, acute building end user perspective. We have to look at the whole timeline because once we start doing that, we realize that we're really putting a lot of people at danger and not intentionally, but we're not thinking it through. And I think that's hopefully what's the next thing to come in the building industry is looking at building um, health from this life cycle um, aspect, like you say. Yeah, great. That's a good perspective. Um, yeah, so tell me a bit about uh, the research and maybe the work you did for the Santa Monica City Services Building. That was something that was kind of mentioned when we were introduced. Definitely. So um, that project is amazing. It's um, been such a joy to work on that and a very challenging project. It's it's the first uh, public building to seek living building um, challenge certification. And we've been working with Fisher & Partners, the architect, Hathaway Dinwiddie, uh, the contractors, and the design build. And of course, with the city of Santa Monica, who has just been pushing for uh, a more holistic approach for sustainability for, you know, I think more than 20 years. And that building, one of the requirements for Living Building Challenge certification is that the building cannot have any red list chemicals. And these red list chemicals are some of the chemicals I've already mentioned, right? Uh, it's the um, polyvinyl chloride or PVC, uh, formaldehyde, phthalates, some of the, the, the worst offenders when it comes to, um, you know, hazardous building chemistry. And, the Living Building Challenge really wants to make sure that we're not using this type of materials in our building. So we all work together to really understand what was in this 50,000 square foot building. It's pretty big. It's going to house over 250, you know, um, 
city officials and um, office workers. So it's going to have a big impact. But going through that process really opened our eyes to the choices that we make every day and how we can start to advocate manufacturers um, to, to to put their buildings into a, their building materials into a better health perspective. And as a mechanical engineer. Uh, reaching out to pump manufacturers and duct insulation uh, manufacturers and asking them to help us understand the uh, materials and chemicals in their product was really eye-opening because uh, they'd never even received a question like this before in some cases, but they were so eager to help and do the right thing. It really restored my faith in that people want to make a great impact uh, in this industry and that you know change comes in a in a in really powerful way is just from a single building. So, um, yeah, it's been a great experience, definitely eye-opening. And I think it, it goes on to say that not every building has to be a living building challenge to care about healthy materials. We can start small, right, on every project. We can, you know, focus on insulation or focus on finishes. And I think with the new, you know, credits and leads and lead V4 and the rise of well certification, I think we're seeing the building industry really taking a, a much harder look at this. And you know, and time is of the essence, right? Like you said, wildfires are here to stay. Um, we really got to work hard on this, and it's going to be part of our ongoing, you know, fight with climate change is that, you know, these natural disasters don't harm human health as well as, um, you know, cause building damage. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Um, yeah, well, thanks, Kathleen. Anything else that you think our audience should know about, you know, the things we've been talking about, building materials, wildfires, uh, general office fires, anything else? Oh, I think we covered it, but, um, you know, I think uh, just a call for building practitioners to take a take a hard look at the, the equity issues that we deal with every day. Um, and, you know, every time we see, uh, you know, news of a new wildfire or a building fire in, a, in an urban environment, think about how we can embed um, healthy building um, choices into our design so we can prevent, um, you know, human health hazards from happening. So yeah, thanks so much for your time, Sarah. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Kathleen. I appreciate it.